Hello, all you slut enthusiasts, fellow sluts and perverts. Welcome to the Slut Next Door podcast. And I am your slut next door, Miss Beatrix. I am a taboo phone sex operator, audio porn creator, and just an overall slut who wants to talk about being a slut, kinks, fetishes, and all the dirty things that hide inside of our heads. Today, I'm talking with Victor, who is one of the talented porn site reviewers for thepporndude.com. Yes, this man watches porn as his job, so you could say that he's a porn professional. (laughs) We talk about the massively popular porndude.com website, what it's like to review porn, and the dark side of the mainstream porn business. I want to take a moment to thank my Patreon producers. They are Robert, Nick, Hale Murder Cube, BR, and Brent. Your support is so appreciated. Do you want to support your favorite slut next door? Check out patreon.com slash the slut next door. One of the benefits of becoming a Patreon is hearing the uncensored After Hours bonus episodes. This week, I'm posting a clip of me and Victor talking After Hours about the nasty, wild stuff he's seen when reviewing porn. And I also give a story how I discovered that I like watching people fuck sex dolls in porn. So if you want more of The Slut Next Door, check me out on Patreon. And without further ado, here is the episode. All right, today I am sitting down with a gentleman named Victor, and he is one of the main porn site reviewers and team members of theporndude.com, a site that has reviewed thousands of porn sites. Victor watches and reviews porn as his job, and of course, I wanted to talk to him about this. So welcome, Victor, to The Slut Next Door. (laughs) Thank you, and thank you for having me. Absolutely. I'm so happy you um, agreed to join me. So let's hop into the Porn Dude brand. So if someone's listening to this now and has never visited the site, How would you explain what The Porn Dude is about? Well, we're a lot less interesting than people seem to think. (laughs) Uh, I have to go over this with my friends real often, that uh, we just find pornography on the web and we review it. We put the links together so that people can come to our site and find something specific. We like to categorize. We like to let the community vote on what is and isn't worth watching. So we don't uh, actually review up or down. We just review in terms of what we see. You know, we don't sort. We don't play favorites. Uh, the reviews are mostly humorous. So the, the bottom line for our visitors is we have categories. It's easy to find something new within something specific that you're interested in. And that's always been the, the idea behind The Porn Dude. Yeah. And how long have you been with The Porn Dude? I'm, I think I'm going on three years now. Yeah. Okay. Okay, and I think I had seen uh, the the site's been up for what six or seven years. Am I right? Oh, longer, that? yeah. Okay. Depending on uh, how we're counting, yeah, it's it's been a really long time. I mm-hmm. remember uh, 
frequenting the porn dude long before I worked with them. And uh, I had this idea, like this was the, the pinnacle of porn review achievements. And then having, getting to work with them one day was just unbelievable. Yeah. Very cool. Um, so how did the, because it really is truly a brand nowadays. Um, especially I remember when I saw the porn dude years ago, it just seemed like a simple little site and now it is a brand. And so how did that initially start? Like the birth of the site? Well, I have uh, two bosses, two senior leaders who were a couple of young bucks who wanted to make something of their time. And uh, they got together. They met online a long time ago, more than 10 years ago. And they decided to get into a, you know, online digital networking, that, that sort of thing. And they tried a couple of different ideas. And the porn dude was the one that stuck. And today they're still in charge and their uh, business method, their whole structure is very simple. Just do the hard work day in and day out. So we haven't really innovated much, which I think is a great thing because people like the way that the porn dude does reviews. And we just put in new reviews every day and we listen to the public and there's nothing particularly groundbreaking. You know, we don't make our own porn. We don't, uh, share our own preferences or demand anything. We just like to cover the internet as it is, like a news outlet, mm. simpler, cleaner. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Very cool. And so, you know, it's safe to say that it's, it is a successful site. Like I, I'm not familiar with the, I guess, competition, but um, why do you think the porn dude has been successful? Honestly, it's the simplicity. It started early. It was inspired by this this really old website called The Big List of Porn. And you'll see design-wise, we're clearly inspired by them. And we're not hiding that. Like that's, It's an homage mm -hmm. to what was a really cool website back in the day, back before my day even. Mm -hmm. And uh, we took over that format. We kept it simple, or rather, they kept it simple. And uh, they just keep adding new content or new links to content every day. And people like that. As for the reviews, you know, we, we have these conversations in the office once in a while about how many people actually care about the reviews. And I know that some people just skip them. I don't take it personally, but I, I do think mm -hmm. that there are a lot of people out there who, who appreciate the humor and the work we put mm -hmm. into them because the reviews are, they're made with love. Mm. I see. Yeah. And um, what... What do you think the future looks like for the porn dude? Like, where is it going? Any future projects or branching out? Yeah, so there's two ways we're branching out. Um, one is to make other websites like the porn dude that cover specific types of content. Like, for example, a unique porn dude for gay content, a unique porn dude for fetish content, a unique porn dude for video game content. And we've already done these. The, the fetish site, for example, fetish porn sites, we're currently finalizing. Um, and the other way that we're trying to branch out is to look at other types of networking. But this is largely experimental because it's outside of what we're used to doing. And the internet is cutthroat. So mm. we're trying to tread carefully, very mm. carefully. We've got this project, for example, where we commissioned a porn producer to make some content for us. For promotional purposes so we didn't actually get involved in, in uh, production 
of porn. We just ordered some porn from someone who makes porn and we asked them to wear the porn dude mascot. And this is mm-hmm. a cooperation where we can get some porn out there featuring the porn dude as a character who straight up gets to have sex with, with women on camera wearing the full porn dude makeup, the, porn, the full suit. And uh, it was difficult. And we saw firsthand how complex and I would say dangerous the world of porn is because up until that point, we were largely uninvolved in, in any kind of production or distribution. We just reviewed. And the second we dared order someone else to, to make porn for us, it was, it was controversial. Mm. Interesting. Yeah. And I definitely want to get into that um, later in our conversation that, you know, what you guys saw when you pulled that sheet, you know, oh, yeah, it was a real nightmare. The, yeah. So, um, you know, it's funny because when I reached out to the porn dude, I, I just assumed like, an idiot, I guess, that there was one guy behind the computer screen doing all this. And that, so I was surprised to know there was a whole team. How many of you are there? Um, I actually never did a head count because there's way too many writers for that. Uh, mm-hmm. I would say about a dozen people doing technical things and then possibly several dozen writers. But that's the, the writers I'm just estimating because mm-hmm. I never got to know them. The writers work directly with the man we call the porn dude, you know, the big boss. Mm-hmm. Um, but the writers are commissioned per per article. You know, they're they're people who sort of freelance and they're happy with it. I'm one of them. I'm happy with it. Mm-hmm. So we I, I haven't gotten a chance to do a headcount, but uh, you're not wrong to assume it is one guy behind the desk because since the beginning, our boss whom I'm just not going to name for this. He's his name is out there. You can you can look him up. You contacted him yourself. He uh he is the OG porn dude. It was his character, his idea, his um sort of personal involvement and he's more or less always online. He's one of those people who takes his job so seriously that he straight up puts out his his personal contact information out there so people like you can can reach out. And and he's a great guy. He he does all this work with passion and the rest of us were just helping hands. You know, because mm-hmm. he couldn't physically write all these reviews himself. For fetish mm-hmm. porn sites right now, we've got thousands of, of different fetish porn sites to review. And we, we'd like to be done this year. So it's impossible mm-hmm. for one man to do all that coverage alone. Yeah. Yeah. And I have to say, I was able to see the fetish uh, site. It is quite extensive. I, I was super impressed. Uh, just It just hits so many niches and just things that I didn't even know existed as in sites. Um, so really cool. I'm excited to see how that turns out. You said end of this year or one I more mean, year? We're hoping, we're hoping to be done. No, no, not this, this year as in 2023, I'm living in the mm-hmm. future. We're hoping to be done in 2023. Um, mm-hmm. But uh, honestly, there, there's no rule because uh, the way that we approach these things is we like to hear from the community and see how many fetishes there actually are. Might mm-hmm. seem a bit naive, but look, uh, there is a loose definition around the word fetish. And if you had asked me, I wouldn't have told you that uh, tickling is, you know, a category of its own or that double penetration was a category of its own or that uh, and so on. You know, there's so many categories that come up every day and I have to review them, but I'm not the guy who discovers them. Mm. Boss man does the research and he goes the extra mile. 
right? There are things that I personally wouldn't even think were obscure enough or specific enough, but he says, no, people want the coverage, people deserve it. So we're going into this as a category. And that's why the site, <clears throat> I mean, at the same time, it's loaded and maybe it's not even close to finished. I don't know where we're going to take it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But we do know that everyone wants representation and that's the idea. That's where yeah. we're going with it. Now, when you say community, uh, who is there like a porn dub, like porn dub, <laughs> porn dude uh, forum or something, or where are you getting that data from? Well, that's the part I never really understood. Bossman really goes out of his way to talk to people directly. Mm. He really is the kind of person who lives at his computer and he mm-hmm. really cares. Uh, so no, we, we don't have public forums per se. He reaches out directly and he invites people such as yourself to contact him directly. So mm-hmm. we're very, very open about that. And if anyone has anything productive to, uh, to provide, you know, to contribute, mm-hmm. we immediately take it seriously. And uh, beyond that, it's just exploration of public forums. Mm-hmm. If something exists, then it deserves coverage. It's an extension on Rule 34. You know, if it exists, there's porn porn of it. And if there's porn of it, it deserves coverage. Yeah. Yeah. I think people will be very happy when the, the fetish site comes out. Because um, just browsing through it, I saw a lot of uh, my personal customers, if you will, that, you know, I was just excited for to know that they have, um, you know, the representation, like you're saying. Um, because... And see, from a creator side, I'm, you know, I'm always trying to give the advice for people that want to get into like phone sex or, you know, any kind of uh, kind of underground content is like find your niche, because if you settle in that niche, the people will follow because they're desperate. They're hungry for that kind of stuff. Um, Sometimes it can be hard to find. So. Let's get into you, Victor. Um, I'm very curious. What led you to being a professional porn reviewer? Well, it started as a joke. <laughs> one of the other <laughs> writers, one of the other writers working for Porn Dude, uh, is a close friend of mine, and he got in there uh, before me. He found uh, Boss Man advertising that he needed writers, and uh, for a couple of months, the joke was, "Well, my buddy is." Uh, is writing about porn, how how hilariously funny for him. You know, we sort of mocked him, teased him, this and that. And it got to a point where um, I didn't have a job that particular month. And I was moving from, from one company to another. And I told him, listen, buddy, I uh, jokes aside, I'd like to try. Maybe it'll be some some good cash. You know, I, I need to, to pay the bills. Can you ask boss man if there is an opening? And there was an opening. And uh, for the first time in what was a very long career at that point in digital marketing, I was respected. It was the Mm -hmm. first time ever that a boss actually respected me. And I mean, Mm -hmm. all around, you know, punctual, honest, direct, no tricks. Mm -hmm. Uh, I I was blown away. I didn't think that the one guy who would actually show me respect would be the guy that's involved in reviewing porn. I thought the whole thing was a joke. But no, Bossman to this day, after three years of cooperation, has been ridiculously respectful. I mean, it's everything I ever wanted, minus the actual industry. Mm, Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, Um, and it's funny because if you go on the site, The Porn Dude, and you read like the blog posts, 
you know, from the porn dude voice, you get the feeling that he's just kind of like a very shallow, like a almost misogynistic man. Um, Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. But then, then you've got a voice because like you said, um, uh, all over, it's like, Hey, contact me. I do want to hear from you. So, you know, there's, there's also a voice that sounds professional and, and caring. So that's really cool. Um, okay. So you got started as a joke. So like what qualifies you or anyone else to review porn? Okay. That's a, that's actually really interesting. So there's a, there's several skills you need. Uh, one of them is that you need to be a creative writer. You know, you need to have some natural talent at uh, typing for long extended periods of time without needing a lot of motivation. Then the next thing would be you need to be the kind of mature person who doesn't have an emotional response to seeing pornography during the day. Any kind of emotional response. You know, I mean, you you need to... It's recommended that you stay flaccid, so to speak, when you're doing this kind of thing. Because you do it every day. You do it for hours and you don't want to get distracted. So mm-hmm. it takes professionalism. But you also need to have some sort of personal investment into the world of porn where you care enough to know about these things. And it was a nice little overlap because up until that point, for me, porn was something that happened after work for fun. Mm-hmm. And then this brought it into the daylight without the erections, right? And so mm-hmm. it, it was... You know, I, I felt like I had been practicing for that for many years, mm-hmm. but now I got to do it, like I said, flaccid, serious, and, <laughs> and diligent. So as long as you're the kind of person who can sort of ramble on for many hours and you type fast, that's the job for you. Um, and having an insight into pornography or at the very least some personal experience in the consumption of different kinds of porn, that helps prep you so that you, you, you don't have to do so much research whenever you're reviewing mm. a new site. I have mm-hmm. tried uh, a couple of times to get some people that I know involved in, in porn reviews just because they insisted that they could. And I thought it would be hilarious to let them try. I, I uh, humored them. You know, like <laughs> women I've been dating or family members, they mm-hmm. wanted to try. So I let them try. And they, they found that it was borderline impossible for them. Not because, you know, they're not good writers or whatever no it's just not as easy as it looks if if uh you don't have everything you know if you're not the complete picture of the kind of person who could mesh with this kind of world without feeling emotional or taken aback because for me it's it's second nature it's like uh, putting together a computer you know i know where all the parts go Mm because i've put them there before and i've taken them apart and nothing surprises me it falls Mm -hmm. on my lap i see the website i do the coverage i move on Mm. Yeah. And, and are you talking about, you know, you mentioned the like friends and family members that, you know, you can just, Hey, try to review this. Are you, are they having a, a, an emotional response? Because like, for example, I was looking at the fetish site and there's a whole several categories for amputee. Mm-hmm. Uh, porn fetish. So is that what you mean? It's just kind of like wild porn that they have to, you know, kind of sit back and look at it. Exactly, because um, most people that have tried to write this content that I know um, took it way too personally, and uh, they otherized the consumers of the porn 
as well as the producers. I remember one at one point a couple years back, my mother wanted to take a stab at this. She's also a really talented writer. And um, <clears throat> she insisted that she could handle it. And I said, look, if you can handle it, you deserve a shot, try. So I let her do an article on something, something very casual, something like uh, hentai art, very generic stuff. And uh, her tone was that of a 50-something-year-old woman who has this sort of external judgment of, of men who are into hentai babes, which is inappropriate because that defeats the purpose of, the, you know, the porn dude. That's not, what, that's not what we do. The idea is you want to put yourself in those people's shoes mm -hmm. and, and speak in a way that they would understand. And I personally don't vibe with 90% of the content that I review, right? I've reviewed gay sites, for example. That's uh, just not my thing. And even the porn dude himself is, is a straight man. But I still put myself in the shoes of someone who might enjoy that. So there'll be a phrase like, well, listen, guys, you know I'm not into cock, but uh, I'm into pussy, so let's draw a parallel, this and that. And if I was into cock, then I would like something like this and so-and-so, and I like the angles, and I like the resolution. So even if you're admitting that it's not your thing, you can move past it and say, okay, but if I was into it, I would like to see you know, more exposure, more quality, more resolution. So instead of spending the whole review otherizing, the, the things that you're reviewing, indulge in them, even if it's mm -hmm. not your thing. And that has been crucial here because mm -hmm. I've, I've reviewed a lot of things that I personally wouldn't otherwise enjoy, but it's, it's nice to take a moment and to imagine what it's like for other people mm -hmm. and sort of do some coverage on that, even if it's not your thing. Yeah. Yeah. So, we're, you're going to walk me through the process. So let's say that um, you have, <clears throat> I'll let you choose the category, you know, you have an assignment to review this particular porn site. Uh, what steps are you taking for that whole process? Okay, so I've got my uh, good old clipboard here with all the sites we haven't reviewed yet. And let's take a stab at random. So I've got, I've got latex porn sites. First of all, I, I haven't touched this category. This was added uh, last week. So I don't exactly know what it's referring to, but I'm assuming they mean the kind of latex that a gimp would wear or, you know, tight latex mm -hmm. clothing and so on. So immediately I have some assumptions. I just pick a site off of here. I jump into it and it's a forum. So now I know that it's a forum. I didn't expect it to be a forum, but it's also featuring posting from people that frequent the site and there's videos. And so you see, I look at the structure and where the videos or pictures are coming from. Uh, do they encourage communication between people or is it one guy's project and he's trying to make some money? How are the ads? Where's the content coming from? So first you got to get the technicals out of the way because uh, most porn sites, if not all of them are, are made to, to bring in the money, right? Mm -hmm. And original content is rare. So I have to get you know, past that initial layer of, okay, so where is this content actually coming from? Why does this website need to exist in the first place? And then once I get past that point, because this is a fetish site, I like to see how the representation of the fetish is handled, what the public thinks about the representation of the fetish on this website, and uh, whether the person running it is actually indulgent in the fetish, or is this just coverage, right? Mm -hmm. Are they just mm -hmm. trying to sell you on it? And, uh, you know, the more mainstream a destination is, the more um, tenuous the owner's grasp is on the fetish. 
For example, you look up a fetish on, on Pornhub or X videos or whatever, it's all going to be tags that were put there for marketing purposes. On the mm. uh, Then on the other side of the coin, you've got websites that are entirely devoted to a fetish, and that's different. But mm-hmm. now we've got professional studios that uh, make what look like fetish sites, but they're actually just outlets for generic porn that have nothing to do with the fetish. Mm. So it's problematic, and I try to uh, I try to iron out these details first to tell the the people reading, look, this is a real fetish site, or no, this is a fetish inspired site, mm-hmm. and so the connection is kind of thin. I want them to know what they're getting into. Mm. Got you. So, do you ever? I think you do because you mentioned uh, resolution stuff. So you're actually. Um, if if it was a content site, you're going to look at the videos and kind of review that original content as well. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. No, not that I spent a lot of time watching the videos, but I do need to, at the very least, start a few of them, jump through, uh, get an understanding of uh, what kind of content it is. So is it a preview? Mm-hmm. Is it full content? Is it free? Is it premium? Is it hardcore or softcore? Um, I also try to figure out where it was produced because these sort of cultural influences seem to dictate a lot of the, the flavors and the tempos and all that. Mm-hmm. So there's, there's a lot of information there. Like even from jumping through a porn video for a few seconds, there's a lot of information you can glean from that, that people mm-hmm. would like to know about. Mm. So what? You know, you go to a site, what would constitute you saying that, you know, this is giving a bad review? I'll just say it that way. What, uh, what would that look I, like? There are many reasons to give a bad review, honestly. Um, on fetish porn sites, it's easier uh, because if I see a website that is clearly made to be marketed to people who care about a certain fetish, but the content doesn't give a crap about the fetish then I just immediately start complaining. Mm. Um, and this is more more common than, than you might think. Uh, mm. Big studios get involved in this. Small studios get involved in this. They make content that has nothing to do with a fetish, but they tag it as if it does because they want free exposure. Um, mm. it, this is done on you know OnlyFans. It's done on cam sites. It's done on uh, porn tubes. It's done all over the place. Uh, people who don't actually have any personal investment in a fetish will pretend that they do to get free exposure. And right. so that's an immediate red flag for me. Yeah. And I'm sure the community of, you know, people into that fetish appreciate that, you know, people. And that's what's great about the porn dude is you're doing the work for the porn consumer being like, hey, these are the sites that are that you should go to. Um, because sometimes those can be hard to find, especially if it's really niche kind of stuff. Because you are sorting through all that kind of BS, the, the stuff that isn't genuine. Um, yeah. Okay, cool. So, and then you said the the OG porn dude is the one that gives you the sites to look at, right? Yeah, yeah. boss man. Yeah, <laughs> gotcha. <laughs> okay. Um, so, you know, when I look at category list on some sites... It can be amazing how specific those subgenres can get. Um, not just things like furry porn or vor, but specific parts of those genres, you know, like the various flavors of vor, 
um, just wide ranging. And so can you talk a little bit about the challenges that creates for sites that offer porn? Like, do you have to study the latest trends and kinks to keep up with everything? Well, I just take it as I see it. Mm. I don't really tend to judge or categorize myself. I just, I get the website, I go through it, I see what the people are saying. Mm -hmm. And as for specificity within a fetish, that really only happens properly on community-run sites. So forums, fetish forums, for example, or sites that have this sort of closed membership, not a paid mm -hmm. membership, but a closed membership where you have mm -hmm. to actually make the effort to say, I am a fetishist within this circle and uh, I would like recognition and I would like to speak to people who are my equals. Those mm -hmm. places will get ultra specific because it's a more realistic representation of what people actually care about. Whereas the more open a website is, the more mainstream it is, it all gets watered down. Um, mm -hmm. There are countless fetishes that boil down to mainstream cookie cutter vanilla. And um, I, I don't like it. Fetishists mm -hmm. don't like it. Mm -hmm. You know, uh, BDSM is now more commonly consumed by people who don't actually like BDSM than people who do because it's such an easy fetish to, or rather fetish umbrella to uh, use as a tag to make content about and say, well, that's it. It's BDSM. We're done. As for the more specific stuff, I find it on more isolated websites where people are free to really be themselves. And the best ones are usually forums, which is mm -hmm. sort of a catch-22 because forums by definition are a lot more boring than tube sites, right? It's just mm -hmm. text and brackets and all that. Yeah. But that's where you find the actual fetishes and that's where they get super specific. And a lot of them like to gather on like Discord groups, for example, now that we're living in the future and Discord's popular, they get together, they have specific channels for specific types or subgenres of a fetish. Mm -hmm. And that sort of branches out and they might even develop subgenres that weren't there before. Yeah. Yeah, so do you guys um, review Discord servers that are porn-related? Well, no, for mm -hmm. the simple reason that Discord servers are kind of a closed thing. Yeah. Like, you might link to them, but uh, they don't publicly market themselves unless mm -hmm. they have a website as well, in which case we would review the website and the Discord in extension but not mm -hmm. the Discord itself directly because that makes no sense. All of that information is not public. Right. So we would have to jump in, infiltrate, lie, then jump out and talk about mm -hmm. things that we're not supposed to be made public. It's very disrespectful. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. Um, and this actually really ties into the next thing I want to ask you, you know, because um, I'm not sure you dug into me, but, you know, I was... I'm like Phrasing. a, what'd you say? Phrasing. <laughs> um, I am a partner creator for something called Pervert Paradise. And we had a Discord server, had like 10,000 members. And let's see, a couple weeks ago, server got nuked. Um, you know, we're very, very, very careful. Uh, we had a great moderation team. Do not allow any kind of illegal stuff, but you know, it's, it's age play, it's perverted stuff, um, stuff that is often, you know, people don't understand. Um, 
So yeah, we, we actually just created, um, a new, cause we're thinking, okay, so discord, we can't be here. Um, so I, I'm not going to use, I'm not going to use the right words because I'm not very technical, but, um, so we are working with now adult refuge, which should be on the scene soon there. Um, I don't know if you know, Prestasia, uh, the organization. No, no. They're really great. They promote, um, you know, the use of taboo content for harm reduction, um, as in age play content. Like, hey, this is this stuff should be consumed, and it's going to help reduce harm. Um, <clears throat> so, and and that involves like rape content, age play, you know, anything extreme. So, anyways, we're working with them, and they're kind of hosting. I think is the word. Um, are it's an open source site and it kind of looks like discord it's on something called rocket chat um but the yeah, great I'm thing familiar with rocket chat yeah oh okay yeah i'd never heard of it um so yeah we're still in beta mode and everything but um you know i thought to bring this up because what you said i think there is value in kind of these niche fetishes for people to gather online like a lot of people in pervert paradise just like knowing that they're not alone with their extreme taboo perversions, you know? Um, <clears throat> so with all that said, taboo content creators, um, and me being one, it's, it's difficult to navigate the industry, um, you know, it can be difficult creating taboo porn for some people. Um, like if you're on mini beds, you have to use the word step if you're doing mommy son kink. Um, so it kind of locks a lot of people out and it locks consumers out. So what are your thoughts kind of in the taboo world of porn? I think the the world of porn is hypocritical on this subject. In my personal experience, a lot of the abuse that you hear about in the world of porn happens in the mainstream circles, not in the underground circles. I mean, uh, we've got these movements nowadays of women coming out about abuse in the workplace and the porn world has sort of joined the wave and now we're getting a lot of testimonies from women who are you know, they're, they're revealing what it's really like behind closed doors, and it's terrible. And uh, one common thread you'll find between all of them is that they're all mainstream porn actresses that have been doing vanilla pornography. So it's about as far removed from fetishism as you could get, but it's exactly the kind of abuse that we would like to prevent no matter what, and it's the kind of abuse that fetishists get accused of which makes no sense when you consider that fetishists online, especially the kind that you're describing, like to have their little close circles of uh, verified adults who like to role play. Mm -hmm. So those circles are very innocent, but those are the ones that get the bad rep. On the other hand, you've got mainstream circles where everything is supposedly on the up and up. And then you get uh, controversies like Girls Do Porn, which was a, a very successful website a few years back. They got hit by the FBI, if I'm not mistaken, for um, large-scale abuse, both sexual and financial, of many women that uh, that worked for them. So that was the that was vanilla porn, 
That was about as simple and clean as it could get. And that's where the abuse was. Now, I'm not saying that this is a general rule that always applies. Obviously, fetishists can be abusive just just as much as as mainstream porn producers. Mm -hmm. I'm saying that uh, there's a lot of hypocrisy. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, you'll get these fetish circles talking about harm reduction and preparation and disclosure and rules and age verification, which is so important. Mm -hmm. And then on the other hand, you've got mainstream pornography, which is available to everyone at all times and supposedly it's innocent and on the up and up but really it isn't and and we don't talk about it enough Mm. i'd rather live in a world where there's countless fetishists with their closed circles where no single minor could get in without id verification right Mm. and have Mm -hmm. all of these mainstream porn studios that are marketing to everyone openly on the free internet plus on top of that they are waiting on you know 17 year old girls to turn 18 so they could pull them into the porn industry it's gross and just because it's legal doesn't mean it's not gross yeah because it is and it has nothing to do with the you know a, a, a couple of 40 year old married people in the privacy of their own home doing age play like more power to them I have nothing against 40 year old people having sex with each other, like whatever. <laughs> right. You, you know what I mean? I encourage yeah. them. 40 year, 40 year old people should have more sex with each other. It's wonderful. <laughs> I recommend it. Uh, but uh, this, the industry is not like that. The mainstream industry has, has always been about waiting for 17 year old women to turn 18 so that they can be assaulted by penis. And uh, it's all legal. Of course. Mm-hmm. It's all under contract. Of course. Mm-hmm. And we pretend that this is okay. Yeah. You said in the beginning, you know, what the, the porn models are revealing. What was, what are some of the things that they were revealing? Well, one common thread between all of them was that uh, once they sign a contract before the scene is shot, they get into the scene and they know that there's a clause in the contract that says they have to get through the scene and the producers know this, so the scenes get progressively more uh, difficult, sometimes even more painful, if the contract contains some description of uh, physically abusive acts that are consented to. Mm-hmm. It's impossible to cover all of this in fine print. So if you're a porn actress going into a shoot, and imagine you're young, 18, 19, 20, you're inexperienced, you're scared, but you do it for the money. The scene starts, and for, let's see, 20% of it, it seems doable. And then it starts getting worse and worse. And eventually it's a nightmare. But you've gotten so far into the scene that you don't want to not get paid. So you're willing to take whatever abuse comes your way for the rest of the scene. Hmm. So it's, yeah. it's, it's about as close to legal rape as you could get. And in the eyes of the right. law, it's perfectly legal. And that's why we've got porn stars you know, crying on camera or committing suicide nowadays. Because that's not what they signed up for. Mm. But they're put in such a situation that it's too late to to say no. Right. And then you have, um, you know, one of my favorite series, uh, lots of series under the, I think, kink.com is, I guess, their company. I love how they have the beginning and the end. Like you see the model at the beginning and you see them at the end and they're setting up safe words and you get to see her talk after this big huge gangbang and it looks believable now you have me thinking is she acting but i don't know they they make it like you know that's her at the beginning and the end and then the middle is you know 
her porn self. Yeah, I've I've spoken about this a lot lately on fetish porn sites. Basically, any website that features a certain Charlotte Sartre will have <laughs> these mm-hmm. kinds of moments. Mm-hmm. Um, she's fantastic. She does all, uh, all kinds of stuff with Kink.com and uh, this this uh, recently amazing website called Asylum.com. It's a mm. whole network of people. They they like to push the envelope on uh, on freaky shit, mm-hmm. and uh, yeah, they they do pre shots and post shots, and sometimes they even have the girls uh, doing innocent things like knitting or crocheting or you know reading a book, just generally talking about their interests to really hammer home the point that these are real people and that this is all done consensually and that's a an art form that everyone is involved in, and they're mm. trying to get as disgusting as they can in terms of the performance in the same way that someone might want to act out a serial killer in a Hollywood flick, right? They're devoted to giving it their all. They're passionate and they want it to, to be something memorable. And then when the scene is done, they, they break character and that's the end of that. Uh, mainstream porn is rarely like that. Mm-hmm. You know, the crying comes after. That's mm. why they're so... You know, strictly under contract in advance, and and it's all very regrettable. But uh, you watch the aftershots of any, you know, like you said, kink.com videos or or any of these other websites that are affiliated with those girls. It's always the same thing. Once they're done, they like to compare notes. Like, yeah, that particular thing was amazing. That I, I especially liked how you used that particular weapon on my particular <laughs> body part. That was really innovative. You know, they're mm-hmm. proud of what they've done. Yeah, and it reminds yeah. me of what. Uh, what kink play is like in in the real world, you know, when there are no cameras. For, yes. You know, as much as I've experienced fetishism in my life, it's always like that. You know, in the moment, you try to push the envelope with someone that you are you care about. And then afterwards, you have this sort of giddy kind of uh, retrospective on, like, everything that was done. And you, you're, you're giggling and you're happy and, you're, and you feel proud that you were innovating. And <laughs> it, it's just fantastic. Yeah, it's nothing like mainstream pornography, where you're just yeah. glad it's over so you can go home and cry. Ugh, yeah, it's depressing. Yeah, you know when they have the actresses at the end too, they're always they got a blanket around their shoulders and like a glass of water. It just feels really real. Um, so yeah, and the, where the vanilla porn, it's just some girl like posing and like at the beginning, and then you don't see the end. You don't see her afterwards when the camera's um, wrapped up. Now, you said financial. Um, what has happened to porn girls financially? What's happening there? You mean porn actresses in general? Yeah, yeah. When we were talking about, um, you know, the mistreatment, the abuse of Well, of porn. they'll be put under a less than favorable contract not informed of how successful their uh, content is going to be or how much money it's going to rake in. So they take what seems to be a fair percentage and then it turns out they're receiving a lot less than they should. We're talking, you know, peanuts on the dollar here. Mm-hmm. They they get next to nothing, but they think that because these are straight-to-DVD releases that are really small and really specific, you know, really targeted under the table or whatever – um, that they're not going to make a lot of money. So it's okay that you get $1,000 for one scene that's going to sell for tens or hundreds of thousands afterwards. Um, and it's not rare that they're told that the videos that they're making are not going to be publicly available. And I don't know why this keeps happening. 
So again, girls do porn were accused of this repeatedly. Mm. That's why they're currently being chased, you know, <laughs> by law enforcement. Yeah. Um, they would tell the girls flat out, no, th- these videos, they're not going to be publicly available. They're going to be privately distributed among specific clientele. And the next thing you know, immediately afterwards, the videos are on a website that everyone can access. So there's a lot of deception there. Mm-hmm. And you know that these people are not, I mean, the actresses are not getting paid, let's say more than 10%, mm-hmm. if that, if yeah. that. Yeah. Yeah, that's real shitty. Um, so where, do you know where they're, and that's the thing, I just don't know um, enough about these back stories of what happens to these girls in porn. Like, so do you know, like, how these guys are finding these 17 year olds? Like, where are they? Do you know how that happens? I'll, I could venture a guess, but I'll, I'll proudly admit I have no idea where you're supposed to find 17-year-old girls to abuse. And I don't want to. I really yeah. don't want to. But if I had to take a stab at it, I would say you should probably target colleges or something. Uh, I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. Look, it's it's surprisingly easy to find desperate people, right? True. When people yeah. are starving, they're pretty easy to locate. All you have to do is just throw out the lore and they they jump on it and then and then well then abuse happens yeah what about the porn dude uh casting thing what's it called porn dude porn dude dude casting casting, yeah okay no it's just porn dude casting it's a it's an homage to casting couch well i mentioned earlier that that was our only stab at actual pornography and we weren't directly involved. We just ordered uh, videos mm-hmm. from a producer. Uh, now I personally don't know the man's name because I wasn't involved in that. Um, I just, you know, did the writing as I always do. Um, the idea was we would pay some guy who makes porn to make porn while wearing our mascot. It's a very innocent and nice way to market. You know, it's nothing special. Mm-hmm. The porn itself was very vanilla. We thought it was a wonderful idea. How could it possibly go wrong? And then it turns out that guy that we hired was being abusive towards the girls that he was filming with. Uh, And uh, if I'm not mistaken, he was also withholding some amount of payment. But don't quote me on that. I don't know the details. Mm -hmm. It's all over Twitter. Mm. And uh, we immediately sided with uh, the girls because mm-hmm. there was just there was no thinking to be done there like we, we saw what was going on and we were like yeah this is deplorable end of story and we we, we don't work with him mm. so yeah yeah it, it, it's, it's depressing now, we moved on to another guy now who is doing the same thing but not abusing any women and that's kind of terrifying because we didn't do anything differently we went from one guy who turned out to be a freak to another one who isn't a freak but there's no signs yeah. Everyone is on the up and up. Everyone is doing everything legally until you get the the Me Too moment where it turns out actually people have been suffering the whole time. I hate it. Yeah. 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 It makes you wonder. I mean, just the, the history of abuse that's happened and we don't even know because there's yeah. so much porn out there. Yeah. You never um, know. Yeah. It's scary. So, you know, if, if, if someone wants to make sure that they're 
following porn production companies that are on the up and up, um, you know, practicing ethical treatment to these girls and men. Um, what is there anything to let people know as a porn consumer, kind of like signs of ethical porn? Are there any red flags, would you say? Honestly, it's it's really hard to tell, even for me. It's mm. really hard to tell. Um, yeah. With the confirmed cases of abused women, before the reports came out, I would not have been able to tell you that those videos were in any way... You know, that, that I, I didn't see any sign of duress. Mm -hmm. And I should have, and it'd be nice if I could, but I can't. So yeah. best I can recommend is keep your ears open. If something comes up, then, you know, then you can discount them. But up mm -hmm. until that point, I, I don't know what to tell you. Uh, it's, it's a nightmare out there. That's why mm -hmm. I'm so glad that lately, more than ever, um, people are taking to direct online interaction with their customers mm -hmm. um, instead of going through a studio. So there's no director, there's no outside involvement, there's no strangers there. You make your own content, you sell your own content. And yes, there are companies that are, you could argue, capitalistically exploiting you. You know, they'll take 30%, they'll take 20%, they'll take 50%, whatever, whatever they want. But if that's the cost you have to pay to not get physically abused by someone <laughs> you don't know, yeah. that's preferable. Yeah. Yeah. Now, what about, um, do you guys review, I didn't check on this. Do you guys review like phone sex sites? Mm, that's a good question. I personally haven't, but I wouldn't be surprised if the main porn dude site has some. Yeah. I'd be interested to know how, how that would be, uh, reviewed. And I, I tell you now, how about audios? Oh yeah, we have phones. We have yeah. Just checked right now. We have phone <laughs> sex sites. Yeah. Okay. How do you think those are being reviewed? Is it just the site? I mean, they're not reviewing the process of the phone experience. Well, as long as there's any any specific bit of content that we can mm -hmm. review, uh, mm -hmm. we go through it. If there's mm -hmm. any previews, any marketing, any information that they're sharing for free or under a trial, and often we'll reach out to them and say, "Look, we're doing a review." Uh, we're not going to pay for this service because we're not interested in, in masturbating. We we need to review your site and it would be easier for us if we could see something. So they'll give us a, a temporary, you know, like here's 48 hours, check out whatever you want, then go away. And that's more than <laughs> enough for us to get some information to review it properly. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. How about um, audio porn? Yeah, we we have reviewed it, not nearly as much as um, as uh, as video stuff, but yeah, we we have also you know specific sub niches like ASMR or whatever whatever people seem to like. Um, we're always open to adding new categories, and really, if you ask uh, Boss Man directly, uh, not you specifically, if anyone asks him directly, you know, do you cover insert category here? And if it's not on the site, then he immediately requisitions it. He wants everyone to feel represented yeah he wants to be the goat of porn review <laughs> i yep. i respect it i love it always respect that um yeah so i i post a lot of um age play audios on pissed audio 
Um, and I hear, I've heard, I don't know this for certain, that um, it appeared on the porn dude. And when that happened, the traffic to that site just skyrocketed. What's the um, name of the site? It's like, psst. <laughs> uh-huh. Can you spell, yeah. it, spell it out? Yeah. P-S-S-T audio. Yeah, I see it. I see it. We, we yeah. have it. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, because I, I think it's, uh, you know, I don't know the whole history, but I know it kind of like started on Reddit and then that became a thing, that site. Um, so I think that's really cool on the, on such an underground, um, in the shadows kind of thing, like that showed up on the porn dude. Um, and it all goes back to that representation. Um, and that really, really cool. So absolutely. As long as a website has a, a public, uh, part that they want mm-hmm. people to know about, then we will feature them sooner or later. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so porn has, you know, it's really funny to think about where porn has come from, right? Like I'm actually a fan of vintage porn. I found a Twitter account, vintage porn, and I'm like obsessed with it ever since I found that. It just has a different kind of feel and vibe to it that I just love. Um, a woman of culture, I see. <laughs> right. So, you know, we've got, you know, that the vintage porn and now we've got you know crazy amputee uh getting fucked you know so of course what do you think is coming next in the porn world um for reasons that are beyond me um (laughs) ai seems to be winning the fight for next big thing i don't know how long it's going to be winning for but it is definitely winning right now um Mm -hmm. ai is the new stepsister it's mm. everywhere. On the one hand, you've got AI-generated porn. On the other hand, you've got AI-assisted uh, face swaps, also mm-hmm. known as deepfakes. Uh, I think that they're grotesque. I think that they're a terrible idea <laughs> because right. no one no one asked for that and uh, certainly no one consented. But what are you going to do? This is what people are doing right now. I can't wait for it to be over so we can enjoy something better. <laughs> are people getting away with it right now? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. It is... Um, it's only technically wrong. I don't know if it's explicitly illegal. Um, and in places where it is, obviously the websites are being knocked down, but because, you know, porn is hosted on the internet and different jurisdictions are a thing, it's a race. Mm-hmm. It's a race. And um, and you're never going to stop people from, at the very least, distributing this stuff for free uh, between each other on forums and stuff. Uh, the BBC recently came out with a documentary on this. We were featured as as expert witnesses on the matter. And, uh, you know, one thing they, they asked me for the BBC interview that didn't make it into the into the final cut that I, I'm actually actually regret that it didn't. They wanted to sort of put some blame on me uh, just because that's what documentary producers do. And they asked me a question that was really controversial and uh, they cut it out, which is, I I appreciate them for that. But at the same time, I do think the public needs to hear it. So they asked me after like an hour of covering all the details and how the porn dude works. They said, how about you? Do you feel personally responsible for all the, you know, women that have been deep faked that you may or may not be linking to and all that? And I said, look, personally, I can't change this at all. Best I can do, theoretically, 
if I was in charge, right? I could not review deepfake sites explicitly. But, mm-hmm. and that seems like a smart idea. But what happens is I'm still reviewing monopolies. You know, I'm still, mm-hmm. we've still got links to the, the whole, the whole homepage. You've got Pornhub, X videos, X hamster, X and X, porner, and so on. You know, all the, all the big boys, the big boys, most of them have deep fake porn. Some of them have wisened up and they've banned it across the site. Mm-hmm. However, if we were to exclude deep fake specific sites, then there would be countless sites on our site that we're referring to that do have deepfakes but are not deepfake specific. So it's like we're saying, look, deepfakes are wrong only when you're small and you're trying to make money. If you're a monopoly and you're a millionaire, then deepfakes are perfectly acceptable on your site. So that would be 10 times worse than reviewing everyone and letting the internet sort itself out. And the only alternative to all of that is if we say we're not going to review anything ever. But that's not a solution. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. That'll be interesting to see what comes of the whole face. What, what do you call it? The face? What? Deepfakes. Yeah. Deepfakes, deepfakes are yeah. disgusting. Yeah. I mean, I get the appeal. I, yeah. I would understand it for personal use, even though I wouldn't condone it. I would understand it. But uh, we've got entire websites now. Like if you, if you come out, you personally, as a, as a celebrity, and there are people out there who would like to do you, but you don't do pornography of yourself, they will make it. Yeah. And this is inevitable. And I mean, what am I supposed to say about that? Like, it's, it's not cool. <laughs> right. It's not cool. <laughs> it seems like, like if I'm, if I'm at home and I know how to like Photoshop, I don't know, Brad Pitt's face. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Like that's, I'm like, okay, that's cool. That's that's getting your rocks off. But yeah, putting it out publicly for other people to perv over just seems a little unethical. Yeah, exactly. That's where that's yeah. the problem of it is. Mm-hmm. It leads back to the people that you're abusing. Whereas if you did it mm-hmm. at home alone, it would be no different than imagining it in your head, right. which you're perfectly entitled to do. Right. Right. But when you put it out there like a business, it's like you're selling that person's face on someone else's body and you're not getting anyone's yeah. consent. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, Vixer, I always ask anyone that comes on my podcast episode at the end, um, slut to slut, what turns you on? Oh, where do I begin? <laughs> oh, we're going to need another episode. Um, <laughs> I guess uh, honesty and uh, a directness in in the presence of someone that I care about that cares about me. I'm a real uh, what's the what's the word I'm looking for? I'm a real romantic. So with mm. uh, with my girlfriend, for example, or with people I've been with in the past, as long as we have this hundred percent stripped down openness, mm. I'm down for anything. And I've indulged in a lot of fetishes, a lot of fetishes that your your fans have indulged in that they care about, mm-hmm. and uh, it's always been. See, under this umbrella of, of truthfulness and openness. So I'm open mm. to anything and I genuinely don't care. I don't have any limits, but mm. there is that one condition where it has to be honest and direct and open between two people. Like I, yeah. I, I would say I'm a natural born slut, but <laughs> I don't jump. You know what mm. I mean? Yeah. I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't randomly jump. I want to establish with the other person and then pour out. Mm. It has, there has to be that 
level of control and discipline and respect. Otherwise, it's just not worth doing. Yeah. So Victor is down to clown. Oh, I said. Oh, I'm, the, I'm the worst. I'm the worst. But you, you got, you know, you got to pay the troll toll to get to the boys' yeah. hole, as yeah. they say. I'm so stealing that. That's a Danny DeVito <laughs> reference. I didn't come Is up it? with it. Yay. Is it? Yeah. <laughs> Shit, that was good. Gotta pay the troll toll. <laughs> um, so then I wanted to ask you, like, with your job, do you watch porn, like, for personal enjoyment? Yeah, but uh, it's very different. Uh, in, in, in work, I usually review, you know, like, the stuff we, we cover this big websites with a lot of content is made mm-hmm. for consumption. And when it's time for, for me, it's just like, I think of a type of person I like and a type of sexual act I like, and I just put the two together. So it'll usually be something like, I don't know, 20 something year old blonde girl plays with herself, you know, like very specific. This is what I want. So if it's mm. not something I'm actively doing, if I'm not with a girl, then I will just sort of supplement that. Like, okay, what if I was with a girl? Okay, well, a 25-year-old brunette, large tits, small tits, whatever, and just roll from there. Yeah, yeah. Because without the human connection, without that one-on-one, it doesn't really do anything for me. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, it, for, at, and at this point especially, it's just a business, so. Yeah. You know, I'm likelier to connect with, the, with non-sexual content in a sexual way, like some ASMR meditation instructional videos than... Yeah. But oh yeah, orgy. Let's go. Twenty people. I don't give a shit about getting it on. Good for them. I I don't care. It's like the zoo. Yeah. I'm very detached. <laughs> yeah. I I would imagine the you know the nastiness of porn, like the obscenity, just kind of loses itself when you look at it every day. I would imagine. No, completely, completely. Yeah. If I'm reviewing a. Oh God! What's let me think of something really disgusting. Okay, so let's say you're reviewing people puking. Mm-hmm. The first thought you have as a porn reviewer when they're puking isn't "Oh my God, that's disgusting," or "How do people find this arousing?" It's "Wait, let's see if this is this real puke, fake puke, or are they cross combining? <laughs> is it CGI?" Um, yeah, yeah, you know, you look at the color and then you put that in the review and you go, "I don't know who pukes purple. Like, really, is it possible?" <laughs> and then you just sort of go on a tangent, like, "Well, maybe she had some gummy bears before this." Yeah. So that's, yeah, it, it, it's, it, it just doesn't hit you, you know? Yeah. You don't care. You don't take it personally. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I have one listener question. Ooh. You answered one kind of in the episode. So this other one, you did kind of hit on this, but I'm going to ask it so he can get his very specific answer. Um, Pervy Sage is his name. He asks, what are some of the notable front end design features you look for on the main page of said sites? Mm, good question. Okay. So the first one that always sticks out is the, the gender switch. And there's some, there's a joke to be made here because we live <laughs> in a, in a patriarchal society that's largely made by and for men, uh, digitally at least. Uh, there are three confirmed genders. These are straight, gay, and trans. Obviously, this has nothing to do with real life. It's all catered to the consumption of straight men. So I don't know if you've noticed this. There's no male, female, transgender, 
bisexual switches on every porn site. It's straight, gay, and and trans, except mm-hmm. straight uh, includes lesbians. That, that doesn't make any sense. No. You understand? Yeah. It's, it's aimed at the consumption of men. So that's the first one that always sticks out, but apparently it's crucial and everyone wants to have it. And the other thing I, I, I like to check uh, in terms of front end is how the videos or images are tagged. Not uh, like firstly, whether they have tags. And then secondly, whether those tags are actually relevant to the content or they're just thrown in nonsensically. Mm-hmm. And this happens a lot. Then I like to check uh, loading times. These are very important and general optimization. And then we also often check uh, mobile versus PC to see how they plan the website and how like likely you are to use that. I would say on the go, but really it's in the bathroom, you know, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, let's see what other, Oh, oh normally I, I do tend to gripe about sites that have uh, old school front end, like stuff that's inspired by the nineties. But more often than not, <laughs> sites that have crappy design like that have the best uh, uh, community because uh, yeah. like this isn't a rule. But it, I found that most of the time when a website looks like dick, it's because the people behind it were so concerned about things that matter that they just yeah. said, white background, black letters, we're done. Let's focus <laughs> on what matters. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Well, cool. Um, so, Victor... You want to plug um, anything for yourself or the porn dude? Um, I'm definitely going to include links to the porn dude um, in this episode summary. Anything you want to push out there? Mm, that's a good question. Uh, I'd like to thank my parents for never <laughs> believing in me. <laughs> like to thank myself for working very hard and uh, also oh I, I guess i could throw in a nugget uh for for you boys check out ai porn.site this is a personal project it's not a commercial one it's free uh it's been my experimentation personal experimentation with uh, generating ai porn just to Ooh. see how how well it works so it's ai porn.site again not a commercial project that just slapped on some images there uh, your community should definitely, because they're, they're perverts, right? Should get definitely get interested in stable diffusion and how easy it is to make your own porn these days, especially if it's cartoony or anime mm-hmm. or so on. It, it's great mm-hmm. stuff. It's great cool. stuff. They should check it out. They should consider making their own porn. It's fun as heck. Oh, how do you make your own porn? Uh, so using Stable Diffusion, which is currently available under a public use license, you download it to your computer, then you download a model. Uh, that information is easy to come by. Um, they could ask you in your Discord. I'll give you some links. It's really not a big deal. Um, then they just enter the prompts uh, that they want to see and negative prompts that they don't want to see. So for example, I could write beautiful woman in a field, negative prompts, Godzilla, just in case I'm really concerned about monsters showing up. I could mm-hmm. I would do prompts monster negative prompts disgusting uh then i would pick a size fiddle a bit with the settings and boom you you get uh ai generated imagery and it doesn't have to be used for porn either you can make anything you want with it and it's getting really popular like people are making outstandingly beautiful art there was even a a new um a newspaper uh, a recent uh, publication that came out about some guy that won an art competition using Stable Diffusion, the same program I'm using, except he used it to generate a, a really nice mural 
of people in a temple. It was just a really cute photo. And uh, mm-hmm. he won first place. And there was controversy mm-hmm. on whether this counts as art that he made, you know, because he used AI to generate it. Yeah. And he won first place. Well, my answer, who cares? Make your own whatever you want. Make your own smut. Make your own uh, profile pictures. Make your own backgrounds, wallpapers. Get crazy with it because we're living in a... It's Mm -hmm. a nice time to be alive. Yeah. That's really cool. That actually sounds really fun. I I might check this out. (laughs) The negative and positive prompts. I feel like you could just create so many fun things. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. You can make whatever you want. I've got a I've got a cat wearing sunglasses on my profile pic right now on my socials that I made using stable diffusion. I wanted a a cat wearing sunglasses and it came out yeah. real sweet. Yeah, that's super cool. Well, Victor, it has been a great pleasure to chat with you. Um Likewise. The porn professional you are. <laughs> um yeah, thanks again for coming on. Bye, you guys. Bye. Thank you for listening to my episode with Victor from theporndude.com. Are you enjoying The Slut Next Door? Because I really, really hope you are. You should come join my Discord server where you can ask listener questions, keep up to date with the podcast, and get to know me and others in there. You can find the Discord server at discord.gg slash slut next door or you can follow me on twitter at slut underscore next underscore door also don't forget about the patreon all right i will talk to you soon bye bye